This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 52 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented folks in and around the Southern California hospitality industry from Orange County and beyond each and every episode. I'm your host, Crawford McCarthy, founder of The Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to Allie Coyle, who provides music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. And at least at the time of this recording, she is just about set to release her EP. So depending on when you are listening to this, it may already be out. So please go check it out. And as a reminder, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review wherever you are listening to it. It helps other folks discover it as well. Go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this. And as always, you could have had early ad-free listening by going to patreon.com slash thebestseats and signing up at a monthly amount that makes the most sense to you. Unless, of course, you're listening to this on Patreon, in which case you already got that ad-free listening, so you are good. Episode 52, um, this was an awesome one. I had another guest lined up. They had a personal issue come up. No problem. Things happen, especially nowadays with hospitality industry. Everybody's running around like crazy. I put something out on social media, seeing if anybody could jump in because I hate, hate, hate missing weeks. Uh, continuity is one of the biggest things for me for the show, trying to release an episode every week. Um, haven't missed that many this year. I'm very proud of that. Unfortunately, I missed one the week before. I didn't want it to be two in a row. Rachel Keeney from Porch and Swing over in Irvine, California, stepped up, jumped in, said that she would love to record. We hopped on a Zoom call right after her shift over at Porch and Swing, and I am so, so grateful. Porch and Swing, if you have not heard of it, first of all, pull your head out from under the rock and crack a magazine or head there yourself and see what all the hype is about. It was Orange Coast's restaurant of the year. It's the on the short list for restaurant of the year for most other people. Um, it's one of the best new restaurants, in my opinion. I think it's utterly fantastic. And Rachel is a hell of a bartender who has jumped into a hell of a bar program. She has done stints at some of Orange County's best cocktail establishments. She knows her way around a bottle. Very, very, very talented. She's somebody that I wanted to get on the show. I have this long Excel file of people that I want to talk to. She was on there. So happy that I was able to get her on the show and so, so grateful for her for taking the time. Um, she's a very, very special person. Not only can she make a mean drink, but she's just a good soul. She's honest. She's open. And she's not afraid to talk about things like mental health, struggles in the industry, things like that, which a lot of people deal with. Not everybody's comfortable, and that's okay, talking about them. She is, and we sit down today to talk about some of those. So without further ado, pull up a chair, grab a glass, and I hope you enjoy episode 52 of the Best Seats Podcast, featuring the one and only Rachel Keeney. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
Rachel, thank you so, so much for taking the time to jump in today. Uh, you are somebody that I've wanted to have on the show kind of since its inception when the show started to pick up traction and I knew what it wanted to be. Um, I had another guest scheduled for this week. They had a personal issue come up, things happen, and lo and behold, you jumped in social media and said, yep, I can jump on in. So this serendipitously worked out very, very well. Um, as I said, I've been kind of waiting to talk with you and, and you're somebody that I've had on my list of kind of guests that I want to get on soon. So I'm so glad this happened. For people that may not know you or may not be familiar with your work, would you mind introducing yourself real quick and giving a little bit of your background? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Rachel Keeney. I am a bartender at OC's best new restaurant, uh, Portion Swing. So we're known for a lot of our Southern flair. So we eat a lot of good grain spirits. Um, one of the best whiskey collections I've seen in my entire life. Um, I've been at the Blind Pig, both locations, 320 Mains, where I learned how to bartend. Uh, and also where I fell in love with bartending. And then moved all around Orange County and and familiar places like Blinking Owl, Pie Society. And that's kind of what led me up to here and doing what I love. I mean, as far as resumes go, that's pretty much every heavy hitter here in Orange County. I mean, this is an Orange County-based podcast. I've had guests from kind of San Diego, Los Angeles, all over. But for those that live in Orange County and enjoy a good cocktail, you can't really do worse than the list that you just described. What was one of the things that originally got you behind the bar and kind of pushed your love for what you do? It started when I was 21. I had just moved to Long Beach for university and my sister got a job at the Blind Rabbit, just kind of hosting, hostessing. And I would drive down and see her and she'd be like, okay, just post up at the bar. And I just watched them. I'd watch Robert Adamson when he was there, uh, Andrew Winters, and I just kind of fell in love with it and then I was working in beer at the time and I kind of had an, a foot in the door with the crack shack opening in Costa Mesa and at the time they had a very 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 talented bar program the uh the man who was running the bar program Abe Jimenez he had worked under some of the most wonderful San Diego bartenders that were out there um so I learned from him originally and then I went to an Orange County bartenders meeting and I met Jason Schiffer at, from 320 Maine when he was still the owner. And I asked him straight up one day, like, how do I move forward in this industry? Because I'm starting to love what I'm doing and I want to learn more. And a week later, he texted me and said, I have a bartender position open at 320 Maine. I'd really love to hire you. That's awesome. And yeah, he was the one that kind of sat me down and said, broke down the history of cocktails and why we do things the way we do. And that's how I've taken everything that I've learned since then. I mean, the obligatory follow-up question is, you know, we're now we're recording this first week of June, 2021. Obviously nobody can kind of escape talking about 2020. What was the past year, I guess, a year and a half at this point, kind of like for you from the bar perspective? You know, obviously a lot of those places that you described, some were bars, some were restaurants that had great bar programs. What was it like for you losing the ability to kind of get behind the bar? And, you know, even if people were making to-go cocktails and things like that, it's obviously not the same as a regular service. So what was 2020 like from your perspective and how does it feel to be somewhat on the other side of things? Mm -hmm. 2020 was rough because at the beginning of the pandemic, when everything was shutting down, I wasn't working at a restaurant. I was working at a distillery and they were restricted even more than restaurants where we couldn't do to go cocktails. I had to come in and help with hand sanitizer production, which 
kind of made me feel a little bit like I was losing that part of my craft. And that was this almost four straight months of just not bartending. And a lot of my friends in the industry, we tried getting together and mixing up cocktails, but it wasn't the same, you know, seeing people going out, meeting new faces. And I was fortunate enough um, in June to return to the Blind Pig in Rancho Santa Margarita as their bar manager. And that somewhat brought back a lot of the passion that I had lost in those four months because it, it, it took a heavy hit because that's the one thing is, in all of these pandemics that we've seen in the past, like the 2008, like the crisis, like the Wall Street, whatever, restaurants, people still went out. That's the one thing that they saved up for. Like we still want to go out, have some normalcy. So I, none of us saw this coming. None of us saw that our jobs were going to be so easily taken away from us. And so I bounced around since then from a couple of restaurants and it's been hard to kind of get your feet wet again, finding that family, finding that groove and... I finally kind of feel like now, a year and a half later, I'm settling into a spot and feeling a little bit better and back to where I was maybe back in 2019. The biggest thing that everyone's kind of talking about right now, and it doesn't seem like you can escape it, uh, you know, whether it's mainstream media, industry talk, things like that, is the issue of trying to rehire. Everybody is short-staffed. Everybody's running skeleton crews and... Mm -hmm and I don't want to steer the conversation one way or another on why people aren't going to look for jobs. But I do want to ask from your perspective, what is it like to be what I can only assume is a very, very valuable commodity? I mean, somebody with your resume, your skill set, things like that with restaurants opening, you know, opening back up, you said you're at per portion swing now, Orange Coast Magazine's 20, was it 2021 restaurant of the year, 2020 restaurant of the year, whatever it was, best new restaurant. And for anybody who's listening that has not been there, regardless of when you're listening to this, go there because it's phenomenal and you will not have a bad time. But what was it like going out and trying to find all these different jobs? I mean, was it something where you had ease? I mean, because it seems everybody is looking for everything. So what's it been like getting back into work? For me, it was easy because the time I was looking for a new position, uh, it kind of fell in my lap. I was just at lunch at Porch and Swing one day and Andrew had happened to have needed a lunch bartender. And... Um, I know it's bartenders. I've noticed they're trying to move around and find the best spot. We've had so many bartenders come in to apply, like some from chalk, some from, oh, other restaurants that I aren't the top of my head. But, um, that's the thing is I've noticed bartenders had, we're a little bit easier because I've seen everyone's hiring for every position dishwashers, line cooks, servers, bussers, hostesses, and bartenders. But that's the one area of the restaurant, at least at my restaurant, we're good on. Um, but then I've seen in the kitchen, in the back of house, we're incredibly short staff. I mean, we're running on literally half of what we should. And we also have other restaurants coming in trying to poach the chefs that we do have. And it's becoming kind of this game of trying to find people, trying to keep people. And I don't know, I can't speak for other people and why they're either not returning to work or maybe they left the industry during the pandemic because they saw maybe that maybe their restaurant treated them as more disposable than anything. Cause I've seen that, I've heard that from people and maybe they're scared to return. I would be too, because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. You mentioned that restaurants have been poaching members of the kitchen staff. One of the things that I keep thinking is, 
with the, you know, quote unquote reopening, a lot of places are still staggering their bar seats. Some places are now fully open, you know, again, June 15th, California is slated to quote unquote fully reopen, um, you know, whatever that kind of entails, it's obviously going to be kind of business to business, I think, but with bars fully returning and bars themselves fully opening, I know, you know, Sandpiper Lounge in Laguna Beach just reopened, you know, Kelly's serving food, they've been open up in Placentia, places are really starting to come back at full force. Do you think that you're going to see bartenders starting to get poached as well, or at least those conversations starting to happen among friends? Absolutely. I could see that happening, um, especially because, as you said, as everything reopens, hours are going to be extended. Um, restaurants that are operating until 9 or 10 p.m. are now probably going to stay open until midnight or till 1.30 because they have that ability to now, which means they need to staff maybe one or two more bartenders. And it is hard to find good talent in Orange County because I know so many restaurants that are just literally willing to hire someone who's eager to learn, which in my opinion is not something you want to do with someone in the craft cocktails because it takes time to teach. It takes time for them to find their style for them to learn um, sense of urgency. You can't just take a bar back who's only been bussing for maybe a year and expect him to be this new craft cocktail bartender and this mixologist. It's not how it happens. I It took me a year of just learning to feel comfortable to actually create one of my own cocktails. You got to have that foundation of classics. And that's just something I don't see in Orange County. And for places like Porch and Swing or... Um, even the blind pig, because they have a respectable program. And if they want to keep what Ryan Autry created there, they're going to have to find people who have that foundation and that's going to be really hard. So I, I could see definitely bartenders being poached easily. Shout out to Ryan Autry, by the way, friend of the show. I don't remember what episode he is, but you can go back and listen to what he's up to with Garrison brothers from a couple episodes ago. He is a great, great guy. Um, the educational process, like you mentioned, is not something that happens overnight. A lot of places don't, generally speaking, have educational practices put in place. I can think of a couple people that I really respect, top of my head, that I know will take the time to teach, bring in staff, do R&D sessions, things like that. From your perspective, what would be some of your tips to people that want to get into bartending or make that next step up to kind of craft bartending? You know, Even if you're doing it at a speed level, what is something that folks can do on their own to kind of self-educate if they don't have those options available to them at whatever job they're kind of currently working at? Absolutely. I know that, you know, Jason Schiffer is kind of out of the game, so they're not lucky to have him like I did. And so I recommend uh, Cocktail Codex by Death & Co. It is laid out pretty close to how I learned how cocktails are broken down. It breaks down everything into family trees. Like this is everything comes from being a highball, an old fashioned, a martini, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that gives you a good foundation. And then also uh, cocktail kingdom has a bunch of old school books, like the Jerry Thomas books. You can learn about what cocktails were like pre prohibition and you're going to be confused because the measurements are crazy and you have no idea what that's going to mean. But that the dead rabbit book, uh, their first book, it l outlines the history of like the Daisy, the punch, which are super important. Also getting your bar smart certification. That education taught me so much because you learn the intricacies of each distillate that you're going to be working with, including things I've never worked with. I've like, this is one of the first jobs I've actually worked with like Calvados and, um, 
I knew nothing about Pisco before I took that. And now I drink Pisco a lot. And it's one of my favorite things in the world. These episodes aren't exactly evergreen because we're talking about topical things like a global pandemic. So in two years time, this will be more of a history episode. But I do think there's some evergreen topics that I think are going to be relevant moving forward. And one of the things that I'm curious about is people are back out. People are going out. Depending on where you're at in Orange County, they're out in force. Um, What are you seeing as far as what people are drinking? Because everybody was home for so long. People were bored. People got creative. I mean, I I was getting text messages from friends asking for cocktail recipes. I can only imagine what your non-industry friends must have been texting you and things like that. What are you seeing from your guests? I mean, are people, is it still a vodka soda crowd? Is it still a basic old fashioned crowd? Or are you seeing people ask for some of those kind of different variants? I'm still seeing the classics and it might just be a, an area thing of working in Irvine. Yeah. So I got the Tito's and soda, the Tito's martini, and we don't carry Tito's, but we carry non-grain based vodkas for the people who still need that gluten-free reassurance. And <laughs> I've seen, of course, old fashions, we have a, a peach tea infused old fashioned on Which our menu. Delicious. And yeah. order. That thing so is delicious. delicious. Um, and then I usually, but usually we also actually have, um, on our menu, something called a bespoke, which is essentially a bartender's choice. They, the guest just has to choose two adjectives from the list that we give them. And then we also ask them what spirit they want and we give them something. And 90% of the time we're giving them a classic cocktail or a small spin on one, like maybe a passion fruit, Tom Collins, instead of a classic one. And that's what I appreciate about the place I work. And I encourage any bartenders that have that coming out more like with the guests coming out. And it is, I, I you're right. I, I have seen maybe a little bit more creativity alone. I had a guest, uh, a party of four last weekend and he, he had, he showed me a picture of the bar that he had at home. And he's just like, I learned how to make so many drinks on this and I don't really want to drink anything that I can make at home. And I'm like, well, you're limiting me but I'm do my best. Pisco sours for you all night long, sir. I love that. Well, it's time for a little commercial. Yeah. The last year provided so many challenges for restaurant owners. Now that they're finally getting a chance to open their doors again to the public, it can only be an exciting thing. However, some of those challenges still remain like hiring new staff after having to let go of them for almost an entire year. That's where Hire Lilo comes in. Custom built from the ground up by hospitality professionals, Hire Lilo is your destination for restaurant hiring. Applicants can create resumes on the site, set up meetings, use the virtual messaging system to communicate with potential hirees, and more. Restaurants also have a multitude of options to choose from, including selecting mandatory shifts for specific positions, and more. The website is easy to use and is a perfect build-out for the hospitality industry. None of the other fancy stuff are trying to compete with every other industry on the planet for new hires. As I said, it is hospitality-specific, making it your destination for hiring. Using the promo code STAYSTRONG, all one word, you can create a free job posting today and start to fill those hiring voids. Hire Lilo provides on-site help. They'll sit down and make sure that your restaurant is set up and properly ready to go, and that you can utilize all the features Hire Lilo offers. To learn more or to create an account and get job posting now, go to HireLilo.com. That's H-I-R-E-L-I-L-O.com. Once again, that's HireLilo.com. I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home 
really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potager comes in. Heirloom Potager designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef, owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotager.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potager, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloompotager.com. Um, one of the downsides of what's happening now kind of with light employment and things like that are people like yourselves and other people in the industry that I've spoken with have gone from what essentially was a forced sabbatical, you know, kind of for better, for worse, kind of getting back in touch with themselves, relaxing, getting away from those kind of industry hours of, you know, 5 p.m. until five in the morning. Some of that came with kind of improvements in health. Some of that came with lightening of mental health, things like that. And kind of mental health in the industry is something that we'll touch on in a second. But what's it been like to basically go from zero to 60? Because the feeling that I had was with the shutdowns, justified or not, it felt like we were all kind of waiting at the starting line of a marathon. And now, especially this past month or so, it feels like that starting gun has gone off and everybody has just flooded out the gate. What's it been like for you, you know, whether it's kind of getting those bartending skills back or that muscle memory to essentially go from that kind of zero to 60? It's been stressful, especially transitioning to a couple of new bars, um, finding your groove, what your bar setup's going to be, and ultimately getting used to just high volume because with understaffing, you're, it's going to feel like high volume no matter what, even if you're running at 50% capacity. And it's been stressful having to tell yourself like, okay, I can only work at this much a time. And it's I've seen this transition of, okay, I just, I have to do this. I, I have to do this one drink at a time. Like people are going to have to wait and getting back into that groove. And it's a slower groove. Like usually when I would go to a new job, I'd pick it up in a week here. It's taking me a month because it's a lot more extensive when it comes to the spirits that we're using, because I'm working with whiskeys. I never knew existed. Um, I'm learning new ingredients and we're a very free flowing bar team where we just literally bring in whatever we want and we start making things. So getting used to that, it's, it's pretty hard. I, and I've noticed that even my social skills are a little scared. I'm scared to talk to people now. Um, because we lost that, that almost year of just not being able to socially interact with people face to face. Everybody kind of every single day seems to have a new horror story about guests and guest interactions and, and not, a re, not even related to something as simple as kind of mask or no mask mandates, things like that. How have guests been since they've been back? I mean, I would imagine excited initially because Porch and Swing, obviously restaurant of the year, fantastic restaurant, killer kitchen, unbelievable bar program. I would imagine people are intrinsically excited to be out at something like that and to be out in general. But what have guest interactions been like for you? They have been mixed, a lot of good and a lot of not so good. Um, we have had a lot of people who, you know, at the beginning who weren't excited that we were wearing masks and we, we've 
gotten past that stage, I think, in socials, uh, at least Orange County with the whole mask arguments and at least in my restaurant. And it's been weird about um, talking to people, but it's a lot more good. I've noticed a lot more people of like, it's so nice to see you. It's so nice to be sitting at a bar. It's so nice to see your smile. And I can see that comfort. It's like almost like a, a real sigh of relief, like shoulders just being relieved of I'm, I'm here, I'm enjoying really good food, I'm out. But that goes connects into the understaffing with our kitchen. Some things take a lot longer. We have a cornbread on the menu that's cooked to order. It takes 20 to 25 minutes. People aren't patient right now. And I get it, they've been locked up indoors over a year. They don't want to wait for a lot of things, but it's kind of getting back into that groove of this is a social event. It's not just to feed you. Yeah, I'm here to make you, I'm here to give you an experience. One of the things that I've always respected about your work um, when I came came across kind of you where you were bartending and, and finding your cocktails and stuff like that was not just your ability and your kind of honesty with the glass and what you can do making a drink, but you're someone who's also very candid, not just about mental health in general, but your own struggles with it and kind of you know dealing with some of those things. I've mm-hmm. spoken with other bartenders and other chefs and people like that, you know, uh, back in 2020 and since we've emerged things like that in past episodes that have spoken with their own struggles and they've been candid about it and they've talked about how during that downtime and during whether they were working or not or maybe they were just in there making to-go cocktails you know, whatever that downtime quote-unquote was they were able to kind of reassess some things about themselves and find some things and basically you know to summarize it all exhale now that we're back and we're full force but still short-staffed as you've mentioned What's it been like for you kind of not just in your own mental health battles, but with that in general, because there was so much about that discussion with the hospitality industry before the shutdown, you know, talking about that work-life balance, talking about, you know, bettering people's work, just habitats and just that general quality of life and all kind of overall, what's all this kind of been like for you basically kind of from the shutdown through now? It's been hard. It's up and down. Um, I did everything in my power at the beginning of the shutdown to keep myself on top of it because I knew from the beginning that this was going to be really hard on me. I about two, so the pandemic kind of started like mid-February and then shut down in mid-March. I was only about six months into mourning the death of my father as well as nursing a heartbreak. And that's when the shutdown happened and I was not mentally prepared for it. So I was working out every day. I was listening to podcasts. Like um, I was talking to my pastor and uh, just making sure that I surrounded myself with positivity that only lasted for about a month. It took one toxic person in my life to turn that all around and get me back on a, a really dark path. And being away from work, being away from my friends and family for so long and doing what I love and losing that love and that passion I had for my trade. And it, it, it was really tough. It's, it put me in a hole where I, I'm still digging myself out of it right now. What are some of your views on it? It seems like for whatever reason, and this may be because I'm laser focused on hospitality as part of my, you know, if you want to call this a job, job, 
it seems like the hospitality industry has been more vocal than others as far as improving quality of life, having hard discussions, talking about mental, you know, struggles that people have and you know, depression and things like that. What is it about people that work in hospitality that are okay acknowledging problems and working to call them out and working to fix things? I think it's because, and I think this is what Anthony Bourdain said that we're a tribe of misfits. That's what we are. I mean, like I, 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 none of us really tend to fit the mold of the nine to five or anything. Like I have a degree in public relations and I still do this. And I think we're more open about it because it affects us more. And we're starting to see our peers go through what we go through and it's starting to help us speak up about it. And this isn't a, the best industry for people like us, but we're still filled with people who suffer every day because we're artists, we're empaths. And this is a place where we feel those things and are able to talk and meet people every day, but it's long hours. It is hard work and it is not guaranteed money because a lot of us work off tips. The kitchen boys, they might not interact with people all day, but they're working literally like 13, 14 hour days right now. And I can only imagine what they're going, like what they're, what is going through their heads. And what's gotten me to speak out about it is because I, that's just the type of person I am. I'm very vocal. I'm very upfront and in your face. And that's how I cope with me, with my issues and my sickness and internal feelings. And, and it does help to have other people tell me, like, I know exactly what you feel. So I mentioned that I've had some other guests on that we've kind of touched on this kind of topic in a broader sense. Obviously there's been people that have had more specific things or things that they're dealing with that takes a lot of bravery to come out and speak about it. So first of all, thank you for doing that on a platform like this, because I know that's not easy, but for people that may be listening that are going through a similar thing or a situation, or maybe they're just not in a good place right now, what are some things that you use in your everyday life as you know a bartender and, and kind of member of the service industry that kind of help you and things that kind of you look to, to kind of find that light in the darkness? The biggest thing for me is my, my work family, as well as you know, you, my friends and my family outside of my work. They're very helpful and important too, but I'm at work five days a week. I'm there six to eight hours a day, maybe longer sometimes. These are the people I spend most of my time with, and I'm lucky to have some of them understand what I'm going through. They've been there for me. Like I, I went through something pretty traumatic uh, a month ago, and um, they were the first people to see and know about it. And they were like, "Okay, cool. You know what, Rachel? We're going to Stowaway Bar tonight. I'm going to take care of you." They took care of me. They took me into their wing, and they were like, "You're my family. We're your big brothers now." And that's why I think it's important. This is your bar family. This is your restaurant family. That's a why a lot of us stay at certain jobs because we might not like the management or the owners, but our coworkers, they are everything to us. All of my best friends that I've had in the past are from restaurants that I've worked at. I don't make friends. I didn't make friends in college. I don't talk to anyone from my high school except for maybe one person. All of my friends are from a restaurant. To bring things to a little bit of a lighter note, um, there's been obviously reopening is the biggest trend right now. Um, Governor Newsom just announced at the, I think just yesterday at the time of this recording that to-go cocktails are sticking around as well as outdoor dining. Now, nobody really knows on how long that's going to last. What are some other trends that you're seeing from the industry side of things, whether they're kind of drink trends, whether they're just kind of food trends? 
Is there anything that you're seeing that's kind of changed as a result of the past year? We're returning to uh, comfort food, no matter what brand, if it's Southern, if it's Italian, if it's French, we're returning back to something that we didn't make when we were cooked up in COVID, you know, so fresh baked bread was a big thing, but now they can get it in store or in restaurants. Um, I'm starting to notice with cocktails, it's returned to springtime floral flavors and mint and everything, which I'm totally fine with because I love mint. Um, gin forward everything. I think the last restaurant I was at, we had like six gin cocktails on there on the menu. And honestly, like fizzy drinks are back in too. Give me a straight up Tom Collins. I'm happy. Yep. That's all I need. When you're not behind the bar, but you're out supporting other bartenders and enjoying yourself, what are your drinks? What are your go-tos and what do you enjoy? Uh, so I have a method that I learned from my friends. He taught me when you go to a, a bar that like can make you delicious cocktails, you order one off the menu, you order a classic cocktail, and you order a bartender's choice. So that's typically what I do. I only started going back to a few bars and restaurants that I went pre went to pre-COVID only recently, like the cellar in Fullerton. That was my home before COVID. And so I'm going, I know they make a great Negroni, so I'm going to get a Negroni there. That's, I, I used to drink Negronis like they were water. Mm-hmm. Um, anything with passion fruit also. I just love passion fruit. Yeah, there's no shame in that. Anything with passion fruit, I'm all in as well. When you are not behind the bar, how are you staying busy? Are you, Or are you too busy because you're just working kind of like you said right now? What are you doing in your free time to now that things are kind of getting back? Oof, I mean... When I do a free time, I'm relaxing or I'm hanging out with my, <laughs> actually hanging out with my coworkers outside of work. Um, I still go to spin class once a week. I have a friend's dinner once a week with my outside friends and I just keep myself busy. Um, I plan my week ahead of time. People think I'm crazy for that, but I need to do it. It helps. <laughs> Uh, for people that are listening that may not be industry, but they're just fans of going out, they like going out. You know, I have plenty of friends that I know have told me they listen to the show, but I know them. When they go out, they're still ordering that kind of consistent drink. You know, those the martinis, like you mentioned, the basic old fashioned. You know, obviously not the peach one that you guys have because that thing's delicious, and I think anybody's out of their mind if they don't order one of those. What would you say to people that are going back out and they're looking for the familiar? because they haven't been out in a while and this feels good to be back. So they want something that they know and something that is, like I said, familiar to them. What would you say to guests to push them to try something new? I would tell them that there's no harm in it. And I, there's one line I always say, I'm going to make you something good. If you don't like it, I'll drink it and we'll try something else for you. Um, that normally gets people to try new things for me. Uh, when it comes to the classic crowd of the Tito soda, um, just even this something as simple as introducing them to a new vodka because there's some really great vodkas on the market right now. Mm-hmm. Never discount vodka. Uh, so we got Black Cow, we've got Reka, um, Boyd and Bear, potato vodka. It's the small steps of, oh, you want Tito's? Well, why don't you try Boyd and Bear? It's made from potatoes. Um, soda, or they get a tonic. Oh, we use tonic syrup. Let me tell you what tonic syrup is versus a tonic, tonic water. Um, small things of even just talking to the guests when they're looking at a cocktail. Oh, can I get this? And I go, Oh, you should try the bespoke. We can make you something fun. The 
we have the most talented bartenders in Orange County here. Like they're going to make you something you really love. How does the future look to you? Hopeful. Good. (laughs) It does. Um, I hope that people come back and we start seeing full staffs again so we can operate at the capacity we can and want to. Because in the end, that's what we want to do. Like Friday nights, we want a full restaurant because we want to feel like it's homey and like the jazz music is playing. And I I want to go back to that feeling of this is fun because right now it's just a little stressful. Well, I'm right there with you. Well, Rachel, I know that you just got off a shift. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I want you to be able to relax and enjoy yourself. Thank you so, so much for jumping into this episode last minute. As I said, you're someone I wanted to get on the show. I'm happy I was able to get you on so quickly. This makes me extremely happy. And thank you for being so honest about everything. I know that it's not easy to talk about sometimes, but I know that there's a lot of other people out there in the industry that may be dealing exactly with what you're dealing with as well. So I think it's always good to for people's voices to be heard and for people to have kind of a, a space to be heard as well. Yes. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And for anybody listening, be sure to head over to Porch and Swing. If you are in the Orange County area, if you're not, book a flight and fly out here. As soon as the mass mandate lifts, it's a lot nicer and you'll be able to go to Porch and Swing as well. Rachel, if people want to find you on social media, check out your drinks and what you're up to at Porch and Swing, where can they do that? They can do that. I'm on Instagram um, at rach.keeney. It's R-A-C-H period K-E-E-N-E-Y. Perfect. And as always, that will be in the show notes as well. Awesome. Rachel, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Rachel for coming on the show, especially last minute. It's one thing when the guests have, you know, time to prepare when things are scheduled out. This, I think we put this together in about 36 hours, hence why we hopped on a Zoom call um, as opposed to in person. But regardless, I'm just so grateful for the time. Rachel's an awesome, awesome person. I'm grateful for her knowledge on cocktails, her honesty about how things are going, and her willingness to talk about mental health, her own struggles with it, and the struggles kind of in the greater sense of the industry. And as always, if you are not doing okay, first of all, it's okay to not be okay, but there are people out there. So please reach out. You are not alone. You know, Rachel is a great story of someone who is vocal about what she deals with, and it's only it can only go up from there. I know it doesn't feel like it sometimes, but trust me, it can. So you are not alone in this. Um, thank you, as always, to everybody for supporting this. Thank you to the advertising partners, HireLilo.com and HeirloomPotage.com for this show. Unless, of course, you listened on Patreon, in which case you got it ad-free, so you didn't hear that. But no worries if you're on free feeds. Still love you anyway. Get out there. Get some good drinks. Live well and often. Stay off Yelp. Tip your bartenders, everybody. And I'll see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Rafa McCarthy, founder and owner of The Best Seats. It is recorded in Aliso Viejo, California. It is subsidized through generous donations through patreon.com slash thebestseats. The following are names that have subscribed at the highest tier, aka norm status, and thus allow me to produce the show each and every episode. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Here are the supporters. Alexander Cook, Cheryl McCarthy, George Pavlov, Serena Warino, Eric Lutz, Pizza Guy 92, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk. Thank you for your support.